employee engagement can be an indicator of a positive culture, but it's not necessarily an indicator of a productive culture. The stats actually show that more people left in the last 12 months than have left in the 12 months preceding. So the resignation numbers have definitely gone up. If they're leaving the organisation and they actually have a respectful exit, Mm -hmm. then they're more likely to say that was a great place to work. The world at the moment is throwing cash around and salary around like no tomorrow. And what can we do as businesses and organisations to ensure that our people are engaged and connected Mm. to the work they're doing? My firm belief is culture is not just about people. Culture is about the DNA of the business, oh, how, we, how we function as, yeah. a, as a, a successful, efficient business. And one of the outcomes of that is then the experience that people have at work. Hey there, my name is Daniel Franco and this is the Creating Synergy podcast, your business and leadership podcast where we speak to high profile leaders and thinkers about their careers and dig deep by asking the questions we all want the answers to, uncovering their stories, strategies, leadership lessons, and their secrets to success. Today on the show, we have Michelle Holland, who is an author, speaker, and executive director at Synergy IQ, talking to us about the great resignation, or how she describes as the great reality check. We also discuss how to attract and retain talent, and the important role that leadership and culture play. We also talked about some real-life scenarios that have played out in organizations where Michelle shares her wisdom. Without further ado, here is my conversation with Michelle Holm. So welcome back to the Creating Synergy podcast. My name is Daniel Franco and I just want to start off with uh, with saying that I've, we've invited a very special guest, a returning, uh, returning podcastee. To the show, my business partner Michelle Holland. Welcome back. Thank you. I must be like reigning champion of you are leading yeah. front runner. Yeah, been on more than anyone, which is amazing. <laughs> um, and not just a gap filler. You yeah. are. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> you are definitely, <laughs> definitely have a voice worth listening to. I um I, one thing I why I wanted you to come back on the show was. We ran a a sort of a an event a couple of weeks ago where we were talking about the great resignation versus the great re- reality in the way you put it, mm. and um, and this event was like sold out in minutes and had a waiting list, um, and it was a very successful event. But what sort of jumped out at me was it's definitely front and center of, of on the minds of of the C suite or of the leaders of businesses and large organisations and. And um, both from a, an attraction and a retention point of view, and I really wanted just to deep dive into this world with you. And given your history, and you know, you are the founder and director of Synergy IQ. You worked with some amazing companies globally um, in this space, and then not to mention you've got your Culture Inc. book that talks about uh, how you know it's a how-to guide for for leaders in this space. So, who else better to get on to talk about this topic than you? Thanks. Um, so I want to draw a deep dive straight into the issue um, and it seems like now more than ever uh, and I wanted to get your opinion on why mm. that business people are leaving businesses in droves it seems. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think this is where these um, headliners are coming from. So the you know the great resignation or the great um, what was the reset? I think I've heard it be called as well, and I've called it the great reality check. Yeah, because I think it is more of a reality check for organisations. Uh, people are leaving in droves, let's say. Uh, the stats actually show that more people left in the last 12 months than have left in the 12 months preceding. Yeah, wow. So the resignation numbers have definitely gone up. Uh, interestingly, over the last 10 years, the resignation numbers have tracked down. Mm. So there's been some level of uh, maybe a bit of apathy with mm -hmm. businesses, thinking that they're doing what they need to do to mm -hmm. keep their people and I believe that the, the learning that we had through the pandemic um, time, mm -hmm. so let's say the last two, two and a half years, has really shown people that they can expect something different. They actually can work in different ways. Yep. And that life is actually quite short because we've had some really tragic learnings mm. over the last um, number of years as well. So. Yeah. People are looking at their life in a bit of a different way and they're wanting to be more integrated. That's what it's, you know, we, we spent six months working from home. Mm -hmm. So it's really told people that they can almost have their cake and eat it too. Mm. The problem is, is that organizations and many organizations just haven't got with the program yet. Mm. And although they've done this, you know, oh, you know, no, it's okay to have a day or so at home they're still mandating time in the office. They're still saying, no, you can only work two days and you have to be in the office three days or um, you have to be in on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday so you can have a Thursday, Friday off. So it's all about them. Like this hybrid working becomes all about the organisation and not about a shared mutual arrangement. Mm -hmm. So I believe that people are just going, you know what, there are other organisations out there that actually are a little bit more mature that they can, they look at flexibility in what flexibility actually means. It's about flexing backwards and forwards. It's not about flexing one way or the other way, that there's a balanced approach, that they can have integration, that they can be more um, contemporary and more mature in the way they're working. So the expectations have shifted and changed. So if I'm sitting in an organisation where you know, I went home and I had this, you know, flexibility and now they're telling me I have to come back into the workplace and actually the company down the road has set up, you know, they do the same sort of work that we do, they, you know, have similar conditions of employment as we do, you know, salaries, we'll talk about that, you know, in a bit, but yeah. salaries kind of go up and down all over the place, but they actually offer true flexibility and respect, therefore, for their people why am I going to stay here mm. when I could go there? Because we know that particularly in certain areas in the business world right now, there is some skill shortages and that's um, particularly being felt here in Australia and, and particularly in Adelaide because of the, um, the squeeze on immigration over the last few years because yep. immigration has really helped build our workforces, particularly in those tight skill areas. Um, that means that people are stealing from each other, Yeah. right? They're just, yeah. you know, everybody's sort of cycling through. So if I've got more of a choice as an employee, I'm voting with my feet. Just a quick note, this episode is brought to you by Synergy IQ, leaders in enabling change. Synergy IQ are the ones you call when the change or challenge seems so complex and you don't know where to start. But more importantly, we're the ones you call when you want to make a change that will actually last. If you want to check them out, 
It's at synergyiq.com.au. Is, is the sole reason, well, one of the main contributors, that hybrid way of working? Like for me, and if I think if I'm an employer, an employee within a business, I'm actually attracted to the business that has everyone, more people in the office, right? Just given my personality mm. type. Yep. Is that, do you think, the only reason or is it just one of the contributors? I think it's been um, a contributor to the new way of thinking. In so, the, so the last 12 months is what you're talking months, about. Okay. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So we've always been wanting to have more of a flexible working environment. I mean, I come from the HR profession. Mm. I've been HR for over 25 years. We've been fighting for more flexibility in the workplace for 25 years, yeah. right? This is not a new thing. What ended up happening, and I, I you know, remember talking with a number of my uh, HR colleagues over that sort of first six months of the pandemic, and many of them said, you know, I've been fighting to get flexible working from home or flexible working conditions in place and, you know, my exec keeps saying, no, 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 we can't mm. do that, we can't do that, we can't do that um, for all sorts of reasons, security, uh, technology, they won't do their job, you know, we can't yeah. manage them, all of the reasons under the sun that they come up with and all of a sudden the pandemic hits and guess what? Everybody worked from yeah. home and everybody did it quite well, mm. right? So it's not like it was a perfect system. Yes, there was ups and downs and some things, weren't, you know, weren't brilliant. Yeah. But we had clients that went from, I mean, I remember one talking to one client who was, um, they're a technology um, department and they said they've been trying to implement teams into their organisation for 18 months. Yeah, wow. And it happened overnight. <laughs> and it ended up happening within six weeks. Yeah. You know, and they are a very complex organization mm. as well. So they're doing ed education online. Yeah. So it's it's like it actually this stuff can happen. And I think that's one of the elements as well is like not just that, okay, now we can have these things that we've been wanting for ages because the world shifted and it pushed us into this space, but also it made us use more uh, more unique and different kinds of ways of working mm. as well. So different kinds of technology. You know, we all know that, you know, the um, video conferencing systems went through the roof yeah. during that time. You know, couldn't oh, get it. Couldn't oh, get to a be Mr. Zoom or yeah. Mrs. Zoom, right? Well, you couldn't <laughs> buy a webcam, I remember at one point. You couldn't point. buy a yeah. webcam, that's right. So all of that stuff just yeah. went absolutely through the roof. But what it did show with people as well is like, oh, there's other ways that we can do different kinds of work. So can we be a bit more unique? Can we be a bit more innovative in the way we're doing things? Mm. And I think what happened during this period of time, it really highlighted the organisations that are unable to be innovative yeah. in the ways they're doing their services and their ways of working. And and that to me is probably one of the main reasons yeah. why people are voting with their feet. It's <coughs> like, yeah, flexibility is great, but flexibility plus innovation plus meaningful work plus a good place to work, you know, et cetera. Yeah. yeah. So that's, it, that's where it there. comes down to the culture of the of the organisation. Yeah. Because like there's yeah. there's organisations in one of our clients in defence that you, they could not work from home because of the security elements of the projects they were working on or like a Wi-Fi connection at home or an online at home, mm -hmm. you know, for these high-level clearance projects is yeah. not – isn't, you're not able to, but not only that. Then the, you know, construction companies. There's uh, mm. like you know, people labour like blue Absolutely. collar workers. So the work from home isn't this one size fits all. People leave no. because 
I think culturally the the business isn't where it's at or the, mm. the leadership's not where it needs to be or, you know, yeah. there's all those other reasons that come into play. Yeah, absolutely. And look, the highest number of um, turnover, not surprising over the last couple of years, and this adds to all those stats that we keep looking at, is oh. in retail and hospitality. Mm. And in reality, yeah. the majority of those happen because people were actually laid off. Yeah. Right. So we're, so the, the stats are a bit skewed, but when you just look at things like, um, let's say the the IT uh, sector, because we we all feel that squeeze right yeah. in the IT sector, there definitely is a shift. All right. So you can kind of look and do a comparison there. Uh, the the overarching stats it's a bit hard because of that skew because mm. you know there was a lot of I mean hospitality and retail and events and all that sort of stuff completely stopped during that period of time. Those sectors were decimated. Mm -hmm. So it's not surprising that those people left to go find jobs elsewhere. So it's not just the work from home kind of situation. It's the where do I go next because this isn't an option for me anymore, you know. Um, So there's many different reasons and there's never ever one reason why a person leaves an organisation, right? So it might be I'm leaving the organisation because I've actually reached the ceiling of my career in Mm. this organisation. And actually the culture's great, the people's are great, the leadership's great, the work's great, but I've got nowhere else to go because Mm. nobody's leaving at those more top levels. So if I want to progress in my career, then I I may have to do that outside of the organisation. The thing is with that, if you've got a great organisation, if you do then get a senior position that opens up in your organisation, that person that's left and they've gone off and got some experience somewhere else, you can pull them back. Yeah, great. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So they've got – and now they've got external extra experience. Yeah, it doesn't make sense uh, to burn bridges, right? No, no, absolutely. And this is where the entire um, experience of work is really important and, you know, which, you know, we will call culture, uh, people understand it as culture, but I like to think about it as the experience of work because it feels more broad to Mm. me than what we traditionally call culture. Uh, We tend to get a bit, um, we get a bit stuck in the, you know, are people happy or are people not happy? You know, we'll look at engagement scores and think, oh, everybody seems to have high engagement scores, so our culture is great. Um, and that's not the case. Like yeah. um, employee engagement can be an indicator of a positive culture, but it's not necessarily an indicator of a, pro- a productive culture yeah. or a high-performance culture or whatever the culture is that you actually need for your business to keep the kind of people you need to have in your business mm-hmm. and stop yeah, them from leaving. I think one of the most important metrics, and you talk about um, uh, work experience or what, the experience, or, of, experience work, yeah. of work, I think I'd even say the experience of the organisation, right? Because yeah. wouldn't one of the, the key metrics be what is this person saying about you when they're leaving the business? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. What are they? What, yeah. It's that the barbecue kind of yeah. conversation. It's yeah. the brand. Yeah. yeah. So we think about, you know, brand being what are people saying about you when you're not in the room, mm. right? That's actually what your brand is. Absolutely. So if they're leaving the organization and they actually have a respectful exit, mm-hmm. then they're more likely to say that was a great place to work. Yeah. Well, they helped me get to the level that they I was They helped to, yeah. me leave and, and, you know, progress my career and, and all of those amazing things, right? So it, it is really um, culture, 
the experience of work starts from the moment that you have your first contact with a potential person that you want to work with you. Mm -hmm. And that might be through your marketing and media. Yeah. Right? You're watching um, ads on TV for Virgin. You know, you go, gee, they look like a fun place to work, Mm. right? Just because of the way they're promoting their services. So that's your first initial, oh, that seems like an interesting experience. So if then, say, I apply for a job, we'll just use Virgin as as an example because we know they've actually got you know, a a reputation for having a good experience at work. Um, So I apply for a job at Virgin, let's say, and I've had this initial kind of, ooh, they look like they're pretty cool. And then I go through this process where um, I'm contacted straight away that my application has been received. I'm like, cool, that's great, that's awesome. And then, like, I get to interview, let's say, and the interview process is really enjoyable to go through awesome and then I have a follow-up great and then I'm offered a contract for um, a salary that I believe is fair great you know the entitlements look yay this is awesome right so all I'm having these great experiences that's part of your culture yeah that's you lead into your culture then I come on and I'm onboarded well then I have a good experience with my leader then they care about how I work. Then they, you know, care about how my career develops through mm-hmm. that time. And then I get to a point where I need to leave because my family's moving interstate or there's this great job opportunity that's happened that I just cannot let go. Mm. And they um, gracefully exit me from the business. I love that employer, yeah. right? That's the place You'll I want to. You'll say good things about that. Totally. When totally. someone says, oh, you work there, tell me yes. a little bit about it. Yeah, great. That's exactly They're right. the reason why I am where I am today. Yes, and yeah. if you think about a return on investment aspect of this as well, so say I'm a business leader, the Virgin don't just do this because it's morally the right thing to do. That's one reason, yeah. right? Morally, it's the right thing to do to treat people with, with respect. But they're actually very savvy business people. They know that their people are their best salespeople, Mm. right? So they're going out and they're spreading the good word about Virgin to every other person that is a customer. Mm. And all of a sudden, all of the customers, they might not want to work for Virgin, but boy. They treat their people well. They they treat their people well. (laughs) I'm going to go, I'm going to go buy from them. Yeah. Right. So we use a little formula when we're talking to organizations about culture, which is CX plus LX equals, sorry, EX plus LX equals CX, mm-hmm. right? Which is the employee experience plus the leadership experience equals the customer experience. Yeah. They are not mutually exclusive. No, so no. if you want to improve your cu- customer experience, you must, must improve your internal experience Employee, yeah. and which is your internal experience. culture but yeah. I think what one thing which is the the overwhelming uh, I guess thing for for the leaders of businesses is like we've got a thousand odd people here and you mm. know the culture's not so great or mm. how do you how do you turn that around and what I'm hearing just mm. through your explanation of um, of onboarding and offboarding and all the above it's it's all the little things that go together, mm. isn't it? Mm. It's it's not just because it, because you, you actually have to chip mm. away slowly at this stuff. Yeah, it's it's not one thing, mm. and I think this is one of the the critical areas. Um, uh, going back to that great reality check, I know 
uh, when we go in and speak with organizations about culture because they might, you know, we might get a call from a leader saying, hey, you know, we want to we want to address our culture. We want to have a culture program or whatever they'll call mm. it, you know, quote unquote, sarcastic quote mark program yeah. um, <laughs> or they want to, you know, tackle their culture or their culture is not great, whatever the, the wording is that they, they invite us in to have a conversation around. And then we start to talk to them about what actually needs to occur to shift a culture. Um, sometimes they get frightened off by that mm. because it's not one thing. Yeah. It's, and it's generally long. And it's generally it takes a long time yeah. as well and particularly if your culture that you have right now is well embedded. Mm. So if it's well embedded, so say, um, you know, say you're an organisation of, fif- you know, 50 years, uh, 50 years old, you've been around for a while, you are deeply ingrained in the habits of your business. So like a human has habits that are deeply ingrained and they, you know, like a human's habits carve out pathways in your brain, right? So... They're hard to break. Mm. Organizations have those pathways as well and they're called systems and processes. So we get into these habits and then we establish them through systems and processes and policy and decision making and codes of practice and all of these other things. So what we actually do is the culture that we've currently got, we've got a system of structure in our business that holds that culture where it is. Mm. So to shift a culture You have to shift the structural systems. That stuff is hard because Mm. some of those structural systems are the way leaders make decisions, Mm. the way leaders delegate or don't, you know, the way that we we select people and move people on or don't. Mm. You know, all of those things are hard decisions. They're hard things to do and... Sometimes it can get a bit scary mm. for for a leader trying to shift things. Um, if I was to say what would what would I suggest to those leaders where they're like, I've got thousands of people, what the heck do yeah, I well, do? Yeah, I mean, well, this is the number one question we get asked, mm. right? Is where do we start? Where do I start? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, the the answer to where do we start for me is always where do you want to go? Yeah. Like, what kind of culture do you actually want? And that's not a one-size-fits-all, mm. right? So um, I want to break down a bit of a myth around some of the the culture tools yeah. out there. So there's a number of culture tools that um, either diagnose your culture or they'll measure like and review your culture. Mm-hmm. So they are, those are very different things. But they give a result at the end and they benchmark that result against a particular uh, framework or model. Regard, it doesn't matter what the tool is, there's always a framework or model that they benchmark against. I think the unfortunate thing is, is that people think that that's, that's the culture, like yeah. is the framework of the yeah, model, I, is yeah. the culture, and it's not. No. It's just a framework of behaviour that either research or practice has said this has better outcomes. Yeah. My approach is always... For the, for the generic person... Yeah. yeah, for this control group yeah. or for either a control group or for the database yeah. of the, the people who have gone through this, the companies that have gone through this, yeah. right? So, um, And that's the difference between the diagnostic diagnostic mm. models and the review models yeah. is the review models are generally benchmarked against the um, database. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've done this survey before, therefore you're benchmarking against me. Yeah. Whereas a diagnostic model is a research-based model and it's um, – 
benchmarked against a control group. Yeah. So it's a very different. But I think I think what you're saying there is the most important thing is it's not one size fits all. I mean, it's there is not. there is company cultures which have the work hard, play hard philosophy and yeah. you hire for those type of people that enjoy that environment, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. And That's then there's other cultures that it's like, well, this is a safe space. This mm-hmm. is what we're offering. This mm-hmm. is the employee benefits and yeah. yeah, and then people are attracted to that. So you yeah. pick and choose the type of people you want to work in your business. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's, you know, the terminology around um, employer of choice or EVP, mm-hmm. you know, employee value proposition. So um, most people have heard them in some mm-hmm. shape or form. I mean, we've got awards for employer of choice and all those sort of things again it makes it so generic Mm. like it makes it so bloody generic that it actually becomes meaningless yeah so you know i'm i'm awarded best employer in australia but i'm basing it on just a very generic set of criteria that doesn't make me the best employer for the type of people that I want to have in my yeah. business. It only makes me the best employer against that specific set of criteria. Yeah. So again, although those may be a good indicator for people to go, okay, well, that seems to be a good employer because they're at least doing the basics right. Yeah. But whether they're right for me is a whole other story, right? Correct. So as far as culture is concerned and going back to that question, where do I start for a leader and I've got this organisation, it's what kind of culture do you need to deliver on the results that you want? Mm. That's the question that needs to be answered Mm. and that is and has to be different for every organisation. So it's the same as your marketing team would ask you, what sort of brand experience do you want your customer to have That needs to be unique. What's your positioning? Mm. It's the same as culture, right? What's your positioning here? Mm. Because the reality is is that your competitors, they can copy your your, um, models of of, uh, product, right? They can copy your product. They can copy your uh, price points. They can probably even copy your processes, but they can't copy your, your whole culture. Yeah. They just can't because it's a, it's the DNA of the business. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. Sitting so when we do our onboarding here at mm. CDGIQ, like, it's funny because we've onboarded a few people of late and, mm. and one of the reoccurring comments is I think I've found my tribe, right, because yeah. they've, they've come into a business that shares the same values as them, that shares the same goals and visions of the mm-hmm. workforce as they do and mm-hmm. – um, I think that's it's really benefiting. But there are some people, you know, particularly an engineering firm or a tech firm that our culture won't fit there. Oh, God, no. no, we yeah. just it, it's completely different. So yeah. it, it is – I do like that. It's about starting with the end in mind, right? Absolutely, yeah. And I think that's an interesting thing. I actually had um, somebody last night ask me how I'm going, you know, recruiting mm. for my for the business and, and I said, I'm not – not having a problem actually yeah. I'm right now I'm turning people away mm. like I'm literally saying to people this isn't the right place for you yeah. like you know thank you and you're amazing but it's not right for yeah. you you know so and I think that's really important for organizations to get to as well is that there is a certain person that is right for your business and then there are people that aren't right for yeah. your business so it always comes back to the Jim Collins uh, get the right people on the bus right well yeah yeah it does and but you need to know where the bus is going True. so I think that's the thing I, I disagree a little bit with Jim Collins because he's like get the people on the bus and then we'll figure out where we're going I'm kind of like eh, if you don't know where you're going what sort of people are you getting on the bus yeah. so there's a little bit well, that, of that yeah. yeah well I mean. That's common sense, isn't it? Really, like, where yeah. where are we going? 
And you hire for those people that are You would on. think it was common well, sense, okay. but it's not so Maybe common. it's common sense because we work in that world. I think so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. exactly right. But it's not so common. I think that's the unfortunate thing is. So when we say where do we start, we start with the end in mind. Mm. And and we help plot that out, you know, by just doing, you know, some very um, uh, – a courageous and curiosity questioning and inquiry, yeah. right? So we can really help sort of model that and mold that. Um, but it is really about create the culture you want. Oh, sorry, the culture you need yeah. for the results that you want. So what happens if, like, you know, we, we you've seen this numerous times, and we've as a business have seen this numerous times. Is one CEO moves out and new CEO <laughs> moves in, and yeah. there's a different viewpoint on where the culture is at and mm. it creates confusion. Um, Absolutely. It creates lack of clarity and, and all yeah. of a sudden you see the – it starts from the, the board, doesn't it, right? Mm -hmm. Like currently we've got a culture that is working, that, is, that, that things seem um, autonomous, things are, are, are mm. flowing really, really well and the engagement of our people is high and, mm -hmm. you know, revenues are high and then – for some reason, they uh, appoint a new CEO that mm. has a different vision or a different outlook because they want this new innovative type. Uh, yeah. Sometimes the caretaker CEO is a smart option in this in this case. Is that is that correct or not? Uh, yeah, it could be. Mm. It really depends on the circumstance. So, I mean, some of the questions that I would ask in that circumstance is how much is the board um, involved and integrated into the culture? Yeah. Like do we have culture conversations with the board? Do we make sure that the board's um, understanding of the direction that we're heading in is the same understanding as the organisations? Because mm -hmm. there is a lot of times where the board has a particular view and then the organisation has a particular view and the administration and the, the you know, the governance don't kind of meet. And you see that a lot in local government, yeah. unfortunately. But, um, you know, it's the same in, in organisations with boards. So that would be my first question because if they're not aligned, then they're going to choose somebody that they like. Right, that's aligned to their vision, not necessarily the entire vision of yeah, the organisation. Credentials or whatever yeah, it might be. Yeah. yeah, but in the in the case, let's say, of a board and an organisation that are very aligned and they're working in the same, working and tracking in the same model, then potentially a caretaker CEO from the organisation might be the right um, option if the capability and skill set is available. Still there, yeah, yeah is available. Well, they still need to be a high quality. Individual. Well, they have to have yeah. that capability and, and capacity to be able to do the job at that level because yeah. it, it does take a different level of thinking. Um, so it's not just, uh, you know, one of the things that we see the biggest gap in, in um, executive leaders is their ability to actually lead at an executive level. Mm. They might be good people leaders. Um, they might be good uh, performance and project leaders but they don't step into that executive leadership position. Mm -hmm. So they're usually the people that are being chosen for that caretaker CEO role, let's say. And if they don't have the ability to lead at an executive level, then they're going to struggle to lead in this as a CEO mm. as well because an executive leadership is very different than a senior manager leadership yeah. or team Agreed. manager leadership. And unfortunately... Um, I see more executive leaders working as either senior leaders or even team leaders because mm. they just drop into other people's work. You know, they drop all the way down into, you know, the how's the, I just need to know if that um, project's got over the line yet. 
Yeah. It's like, no, you don't. Mm. You need to know whether your leaders are leading well. Mm. That's what you need to be focusing on. <sighs> Very true. And and we all deep dive into that little uh, <laughs> pocket every now and again. <laughs> oh, I know I do. I think um, one thing though, you know, back to the question on, on retaining, uh, oh, sorry, on to attracting talent into our business, mm-hmm. what we've said is, is we need to A, understand where the business is going uh, and really understand the type of people that are on board with that vision as well, right, and, and want to be connected to it. That's the the fundamental. And then look into all the things like from recruitment and, and, and their life mm-hmm. and then treat your people well and, and create that employee experience um, and level up in that space. What do we do now to keep people, right, because it's mm-hmm. the the – the, the, we're talking about people leaving in droves, so they're on the bus or they've been hired previously, and 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 yeah, mm. quite connected. But the world at the moment is throwing cash around and salary around like mm. no tomorrow. And um, like you said, the hybrid model might work for some and not others, and the complete work from home might work for some and not yeah. others. And so there's all this sort of what, what can we do as businesses and organisations to ensure that our people are engaged and connected mm. to the work they're doing so that they do hang around, right? Because it yeah. costs a lot of money to continuously get out there Absolutely. and recruit. Not, yeah. and not to mention effort and energy. Well, this is the thing. I mean, we um, we co- often um, say that uh, the cost of somebody leaving is actually six times their salary. Yeah, wow. So if you have an employee that you pay $100,000 to, the cost of them leaving is six hundred thousand dollars to you. How, how do they come to that conclusion? Uh, through direct cost, like the the productivity loss during the period of time of absence. Yeah. Um, the cost to direct cost to the business as far as um, so opportunity cost. Yeah. You know, our leaders yeah. are focused on the absent person rather than what they should be delivering. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a number of different metrics that Not they Not to use. mention the time it takes to onboard the new person. That's and, exactly right. Yeah. So there's a huge loss of productivity for around about six months when, yeah, you're, wow. when you lose a person and then you onboard a new person. That's huge. Um, and it's not just that role that loses the opportunity. Think about the HR team that's now having to recruit for that instead of building on the performance management or leadership capabilities. You think about the leader of that team who's now focused on replacing and doing interviews and reading, you know, blah, blah, blah. It makes so much sense to put time in it. Yeah. I mean, I know it's not that easy, right? (laughs) No, no. Look, this is where the great reality check comes into it. The reality is, is that if you are an organisation and you've got a particularly um, tight budget, mm-hmm. so we see this a lot, say in uh, like our government uh, employ- uh, clients, if somebody down the road throws an extra 50 grand at your person or 100 grand or whatever it might be, it's very hard to go, I'm going to keep them by matching their salary, mm. yeah. Um, they may still, that person may still choose to stay. They may say, no, I'm not going to take that extra dollars. I'm quite happy where I am. Yeah. Uh, but that would be a rare situation. Um, I did actually hear one last night. I was out with a group of friends last night and we were talking about all sorts of different things and um, one of them was sharing a story about somebody he was working with that had been offered a job in another organisation with a $3 million sign-on bonus. Oh, wow. And he said, no, thanks, I'm happy where I am. Yeah. 
So uh, so that shows he's, he's that huge. yeah, and he's like I is obviously a C suite role, a, a senior, senior role in yeah. a very you know big big yeah. organization. So I'll very take it. Sen- I'll yeah, take very, <laughs> very senior <laughs> role. So you know the thing is, if you look at that and break it down, so why mm. would he say no? He would say no because he believes he's being paid fairly mm-hmm. for what he's doing. So it's it's covering what he needs to cover. Yeah, yeah. So he's in a very privileged. He'd have to be in a privileged position financially. He also has an organization which he really enjoys working with. Mm -hmm. He's also doing meaningful work. He's also able to contribute at a higher level, right? So he's able to contribute his skill set into creating something bigger and better and, and whatever. Not to mention he's probably loving the, the work-life balance that, yeah, that he's got. Could, he could have work-life yeah. balance and whatever that means for him, yep. right, because that's different for everybody yeah, as well. Absolutely. Like work-life balance for him might be 20 hours at work and not mm. much at home but mm-hmm. that, and that's the balance he mm. loves. Who knows, yeah. right? But the, the, the right things are in place for him to say no. I'm not going to accept that $3 million sign-on bonus. Now, that's an unusual circumstance, but if we bring it down to just normal, you know, normal kind of uh, salary levels, if I'm in an organisation and I feel that I'm being paid well for what I do, right, I feel it's a fairness thing. So salary is always about fairness. Do I feel that I'm being paid what I'm worth for the job that I'm doing and particularly in comparison, let's say, to my peers in similar kind of places. Yep. So that's one. We get that off the table first, yep. right? That gets off the table. Then do I feel like I'm being um, appreciated for the contribution that I'm making? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm valued. Okay, good. All right, pop that over there. Yep. Do I feel like the people around me are people that I actually want to spend eight to ten hours with a day? Yep. Yeah, no, they're pretty good. I'll pop that over there. Is my leader somebody that cares about me, cares about my career and is helping me to achieve great things? Yes. Fantastic. Why would I leave for $20,000 yeah. or fifty or $40,000, right? If I've got all of those things and I'm covered, yeah. then that becomes less, um, less important. Yeah. The other thing I often think is like if you're an organization and you're having to pay 50 grand above what market value is, there, that that sends off massive red flags for me. But you can't get the right people. You can't get the right people. I call that a, a toxic culture tax. Yes. Right? It's the cult it's the tax you have to pay because your culture is generally toxic yeah, or like not great. Yeah. So the only way to get people here is I have to pay an extra fifty grand for yeah. them. So I just I, I would be really careful about accepting the jobs that are throwing really big dollars yeah. above market. Right, so the market shifted for many roles. Mm-hmm. IT sector, the market has shifted yeah. fifty grand above. Yeah, so that's a different thing because everybody's paying well, scarcity that. Scarcity is yeah. the one thing, you know. But yeah. if you know everybody's paying a hundred grand and somebody offers you one hundred and fifty for the same job, and it seems like a too good to be true, it's probably too good it, to be it true. It probably is. <laughs> well, I mean, like one one thing that's really interesting, and and you know, like, let's think of a government organization right yep. and there's sort of the five level type we the c-suite at level one or ceo mm-hmm. level one or board sorry at level one and yeah. c-suite and at level two senior management level three yeah general management level four mm-hmm. it it um it seems to me that majority of when we talk about companies leaving in droves the majority of it is in that lower 
echelon, isn't it? It's that lower, and it and it's because less leadership um, uh, mm. beha- and behavioural capability in that space. They haven't been taught. They've generally been promoted into roles because they're technically more uh, advanced than anyone else mm. in the team at that time, or they've been around longer than anyone yeah. else at the time. And and so you see a lot of turnover in those spaces more mm-hmm. so than you see up in the the top higher end of part of that pyramid. Mm. Is there what can organisations do to to like? From a leadership, so I think like the, the listener base of this podcast is probably more in mm. that senior level. Yeah, they're listening in now, going, "How do we stop the the leaky bucket that you, <laughs> I've, I've heard you call it before yeah. <laughs> uh, at that lower level? What yeah. what can be done? Um, and, and you know, generically, there's not a one size fits all yeah. again. But what what are some things that some leaders can think about in that lower level? Yeah, I mean the. <laughs> Straight away, I think if the the lower levels are leaving and they're leaving in droves, then there is um, there's a few things that may be missing that you might want to look at. So yes, look at your market um, uh, salaries. So mm-hmm. are you paying market based? Are you paying fair? Yeah. So let's have a look at that first, yep. right? So let's get that off the table. Um, let's look at some of those entitlement condition things like you know um, equity and and. Uh, uh, equity in, in um, conditions of employment. Yep. So get those off the table first. So these are all your hygiene things. Yep. If you've gotten all of your hygiene stuff off the table and you go, yep, we're the same as every other organisation. We pay the same, you know, we have the same leave entitlements, we, we do some bonuses here and there, whatever it might be. So all of those hygiene things are off the table. Then I would be starting to look a little bit deeper about what are the barriers for people to stay? So why are they, you know, there's reasons that they're leaving. Yeah. Um, and if it's not to do with those um, hygiene things, it's then to do with more things like um, is this an inclusive workplace? And I don't just mean inclusive from a do I have a um, reconciliation action plan or do I have a gender diversity committee mm. in place? That's not what I'm talking about when I talk about inclusion. Those are part of it, absolutely. Uh, but it's actually that true conversation am I be am I challenging ourselves to be more inclusive am I challenging ourselves to make sure that we've got a place where people can bring their full selves to work or am I still got that old methodology of you know leave your shit at the door when you come to work you know there's no there's no place for emotional baggage here Um, you know we still hear that today even though that's a very 1950s kind of um, industrial mindset Mm around that but I still hear that today yeah. talking with people and from all genders not you know there's not one that comes from it's all genders yeah speak that way um and even all age groups I've even heard it from you know the younger uh generation mm-hmm. as well it just surprises the hell out of me and doesn't because where are the younger generation learning their leadership skills from? Yeah. The ones that have come yeah, before. Absolutely. So if there's, you know, those are the questions to ask. Um, are we an inclusive organisation? If not, why? Let's figure that out. Uh, do we have good uh, people management capability at that level? Uh, not leadership. I'm not even talking about leadership. Just people management. People management, people yeah. management skills in organisations are, are are so poor it just it actually baffles me mm. that how poor they actually are given the amount of money that organizations have spent on leadership i think i pulled out a stat not long ago where it was um organizations have spent over the last 12 months 60 
billion dollars on leadership development and still when you go into many organizations the people management is poor we're not holding people accountable we're not having conversations we're talking about people not to people you know all of those sort of things like that's just poor people management skill Mm. so let's have a look at that first Right. And we go, okay, no, that's, that's pretty good. Let's get that off the table. So this is the way I would work through yeah. as far as doing an assessment for culture. I like, how you, I like how you position it as hygiene factors. I think that's really good. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So there is. One of the um, fundamentals. It's almost, the fundamentals. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, can we get all those things off the table that are, you know, that we, we have a tendency to blame mm. as well. And, and then that avoids us having the deeper conversation. Yeah. So it's like, oh, they left because they got 50 grand somewhere else. It's like, mm, is that the real reason? Yeah. You know, it's like, did they deserve that 50 grand? Because that's actually what the market's paying. Yeah. So that's a problem for you, not them, mm. you know, not the other organization. Yeah. Did you ignore that person? Did for, you ignore that person? That's yeah. right. Did they have a bad leadership experience, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So it's like looking at all those levels and all those structural systems, you know, how are we making decisions here? You know, how often is that person put through new ideas and got knocked back? Yeah. Yeah. You know, because we've said, oh, no, that won't work around here or whatever the excuse yeah, is. Yeah, well, I'm putting you on the spot here and I think um, – and you you, you, might, you may or may not have done the research on this but the old Gallup statistic of 85% of people leaving because of poor leadership, is, do you think that's still mm-hmm. relevant in this day and age given everything that's happening in, in the world? Uh, yes. So you still think leadership is the core reason why people would leave, not so much salary and other opportunity or – connection and purpose and all the above yes so leadership if we talk about leadership rather than leaders or um management leadership encompasses all of those things like direction it encompasses governance and it encompasses you know the ways we work and having um having those deeper conversations so leadership absolutely is Mm. critical in businesses yeah. to keep your people there. Um, one of the words for me that has just been flowing around and I feel like I need to have it tattooed on my head when I'm talking with people is clarity. Yeah. Clarity, 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 clarity. Like uh, Brene Brown says clear is kind, yeah. you know. But for me it's just clarity. Give clarity. Like if they don't know what they're supposed to be doing, mm. tell them. Mm. You know, if they don't know what they don't know, help them understand it. If you don't know something, ask, Mm. you know, get clarity. There's too much assumptions that actually happen in organisations all the time, right, at all levels of the business. So great leaders and great leadership, they use their curiosity skills. That's, That's what they use more than probably anything. It's I don't really understand why that's happening So I'm going to ask why it's happening. I'm going to figure out why it's happening. Mm. I'm not going to do what what I tend to call action distraction, (laughs) you know, the action distraction. And we see this a lot in, you know, sorry, government organizations, but we see this a lot in government organizations. It's like, oh, there's a person that did something wrong over there in that department. So let's write a policy. Yeah. (laughs) And it's like, no. Get to the get to why did that person do the wrong thing? Was it actually the wrong thing, or actually were they trying to do something outside a policy because the policy is crappy? You know, so let's get underneath what's actually going yeah. on there. And if they did do the wrong thing, tackle that. Mm. Tackle the behavior. Don't create a policy because that's not going to fix it. Mm. You know, policies only keep good people good. You know, it's like if there's something going wrong, fix the going wrong. 
Well, you know, when you talk about clarity, though, there's some businesses that are going, you know, high growth, scaling quite quickly. Um, But look, it doesn't even need to be that. Even they're just innovative and trying, you know, trying new things and Mm -hmm. and. There's the old, you know, the old Steve Jobs quote, hire great people and get them to tell you what to do. Yeah. Is clarity or can clarity be, like I've hired you, you you, you tell me what we need. Like this is kind of where we mm-hmm. want to go as a business but I'm asking you to figure it out. Is that is that a clarity? Totally. Yeah, because yeah, it's, it's about those expectations. My expectation is I've hired you because you're an expert in this field. Yeah, okay. My expectation is that you will tell me and inform me and advise me. And then I'll, I'll hold you accountable to telling me That's by this exactly particular That's exactly right. Okay, so, so if so I've hired you as a, as a strategic advisor, then you need to give me strategic advice. Yeah. I can't tell you what advice to give me, yeah. right? It's, it, yeah, correct. Yeah. And I think that's the, I think that's the part is that what from a lot of the conversations uh, we have and I have with leaders is mm. I've got these great people in my team but I still feel like I need to tell them what to do, mm. right, because they're sitting and waiting for that direction given yeah. their past history and the way they've been managed in the past. And like oh, there's yeah, all yeah. this sort of comes up, all this baggage and luggage yes. of, of their of, of positions yes. in their in their career. So how do we break that mold? Yeah, that's a really good point as well because um, this, this is definitely something we come across all the time yeah. in cultures, not necessarily at this sort of higher level sometimes still, unfortunately, mm-hmm. but more at that sort of, you know, practitioner level. People have been so used to being told what to do. Yeah. It feels very uncomfortable for them when you say these are your boundaries deliver within those boundaries mm. and you don't tell them exactly what to do. Mm. That, that feels very uncomfortable for people. Yeah. So you will, um, for those kind of people who are used to that more, uh, say, domineering management style where they're told what to do on a daily basis and this is how you do it and all the rest of it, they will struggle yeah. in that more open um, uh, collaborative leadership style. Mm. It's not to say you then flip back to, okay, now I just got to tell them what to do. You got to be cleverer than that. Mm. You got to be better than that. You know, as a leader, you've got to be better than that. It's about helping transition them to a new way of working. Mm. So if they're not delivering on what you need them to deliver within the boundaries, it's about exploring that with them. Mm. You know, let's, let's figure out why this isn't working. You know, yeah. you haven't been telling me what to do. Correct, because that's not my job. So how do we get you to do your job so that you can do it and I don't have to? Because mm. my job as a leader is this, right? So expectations. Your job is this, expectations. Clarity around our relationship, really important. Yeah. I'm not going to be telling you what to do and how to do it because yeah. that's, that's not where my best value is placed. Mm. My best value is placed in helping you to be able to achieve your results the best way you can and if you can't then we have to have harder conversations yeah you know and it's really for me it's always you invest as much as you can in the people that you have because of we'll flip back to that six hundred thousand dollars right (laughs) that stat i gave before the six times their salary it's really expensive to move somebody on yeah it's a lot of um, emotional load and energy as well to do that because even though we go, you know, oh, let's just get rid of them because they're not working out, that's a human being, yeah. right? That's a person that you've been working with that whether they frustrated you or not, it's still you have that 
I am actually ending their career right now Yeah, with me, right? So they're going to have to go out and find another job somewhere else. That might mean that they're out of work for a few weeks and they can't pay their bills. Mm. That's a real thing, you know, and, and we have that as emotional load. So financial load, emotional load, big time. So work with the people that you've got and see if you can build them. If you can't, then we can make that hard decision. But also, you know, and this goes back, this is is me being HR manager now, make the decision where you go, I've done everything absolutely that I can do. And I can say, you're not right for the organisation, not right for this role. Um, Let's part as friends and I can sleep straight in bed at night. Yeah. You know, and that's the important thing. So if I'm still debating over whether it's the right thing, that's because I haven't put the work into that that needs to happen yet. Mm. Yeah. So I, when I get to a point where it's like, it's not right for that person to be here anymore. It's because I've done the work that needs to happen to sort that out. Yeah. You know, like one thing that's going through my mind right now is, is why don't, why why haven't organizations shifted in this new way of thinking? Like mm. it's not even new way. It's not new way. <laughs> it's the yeah. shifted. They, they just this this attitude of oh we'll just keep employing people. We'll just keep you know trying to mm. refill the bucket that's leaking. Um, you know there's statistics around like you said, and it, you, you just need to go on Google and look up these statistics. You know yeah. six for you spend a hundred thousand, it's going to cost you six much, six times as much. We also see statistics that for every dollar that you spend on your culture, it's seven times return. Right? Yeah. Well, we know these statistics, but yep. yet companies are still choosing mm. to bang their head against the wall. Why do you think that is? What's so hard mm. about making the shift? What, what what is so hard about picking up the phone mm. and saying actually? I don't know how to solve this problem alone. I'm going to need to seek external help or I'm going to need help within the organisation or whatever it might be. Why is it so hard to make that shift? Yeah, that's the $50 million question, right? Um, And if I had an easy answer to that, I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you. I'd be on a beach sipping cocktails somewhere, right? (laughs) Earning my billions of dollars from my book. (laughs) Yeah, well, that's true. But uh, I think some of it, and this is just my, you know, my um, in my observations and in my experience and, and my opinion probably, I think some of it is to do with we teach people to think about the problem that they have to deal with today. Yeah. We don't think we don't teach them to be thinking about the problem that they might have to deal with or that their organization might have to deal with in 5 years time. Mm. So everybody's not everybody, many people are just focusing on what they need to do today. So it's very task oriented. It becomes very much about Um, If I'm having a problem, I need the quickest, fastest, easiest solution to fix it. Mm. And we constantly do that. I mean, you look at, you know, you can just look at things like Facebook marketing and um, YouTube and all the rest of it. The how-to videos are the ones that get the biggest views. Yeah. Right? It's because we're all looking for a simple, easy fix to hard problems. Step by step. Yeah. And look at the hard problem of, of managing a business successfully, uh, which means, you know, whatever you break success down, but let's pretend it's uh, financially successful, growth um, delights the customer and provides a great environment for people to work, mm. right? Let's say that's success for a business. That's not an easy thing to do. No. There is a, you know, there's a recipe to follow definitely, 
but sometimes the ingredients aren't available yeah. or sometimes the ingredients look like they're a bit foreign yeah. um, or it might be that I don't quite know where to get it. Um, and sometimes the, the recipe actually changes midway through a pandemic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? yeah. It's like, oh, no, we didn't like that recipe anymore. Here's another recipe and now you've got to figure that out. So um, running a successful business, providing a great uh, workplace environment is a daily thing mm -hmm. but it's a daily thing with the thinking of a five ten year horizon yeah and that's not easy for a lot of people to get their heads into some um uh, some people just they, they actually don't have the capability or the capacity to be able to think that way right yeah. uh, and if you think about a lot of the time in organizations the people that we have a tendency to promote uh I don't have any stats, but this is just my, you know, based on my experience and gut feel, the majority of CEOs would come from either an operations, um, accounting mm -hmm. or technical background, mm -hmm. right? Most, I would say most CEOs come yeah. from that. They don't tend to come from a marketing background. They don't tend to come from a strategy background. They don't tend to come from a HR background, no. you know, so if you're Why thinking- because of that, uh, we need to fix problems immediately. It's problem, yeah. yeah, it's the immediate problem stuff. And- it, when you fix problems daily, day, 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 I'm fix, 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 yep. the board thinks that you're great because they yeah. look at you and go, whoa, they're an achiever. Yeah. You know, and we um, as a society reward that style of mm. leadership or that style of management as well. So we promote yeah. that style of management. So you get things, you get shit done. Yeah. I'm going to promote you. So there's a real need for the visionaries, right? Is that, that's what we're saying here is yeah, someone that can look um, beyond, the, beyond the horizon. Yes, uh, definitely that um, in a practical and pragmatic way. Yeah. So there's that, that alignment between I can look into the future so I can see the direction and I can plot a pathway towards that direction that's actually going to bring people along for the ride, mm -hmm. you know. And this isn't necessarily um, one person that has all of those skills. Mm. So probably the biggest thing I would say if you're wanting to shift your culture as a CEO and this is going to be hard, know your limitations, mm. right? Know your limitations on what you know and what you don't know, what capacity you have and what capability you have yep. and bring people in that can actually support you. So go back to that Steve Jobs quote. Now, to me, like he, it, that gets used for just really blatantly like yeah. across the board. Um I believe what he was actually talking about was his the senior people that he's sit around him. Yeah, yeah his, his strategic advisors. Yeah. So I'm going to bring in a group of strategic advisors that actually work as one whole. Mm -hmm. So if I'm, say, um, like Steve Jobs was a real innovator, like he it big, like big thinking, disruption. Yeah. Yeah. But he needed somebody that could actually translate that into people speak. Yeah. Right. So he needed somebody to do that. He also needed the technical whiz kid to go, all right, I'm going to turn that into a real thing yeah. that you want to do. He okay. also needed the creative person, you know, Johnny Ives yeah. to go, let's make this beautiful because mm. you want to be able to delight. Let's make this beautiful. Yeah. Right. So it's like, this is what we're going to do, Steve. Yeah. Okay, great. And so, then he could sell it almost. Then he can sell it. Yeah. That's right. And then he needed the it. great people that could sell. Totally. So, so let's, let's do a case study. I'm interested in, in picking your brain around case study. So I'm a mm -hmm. new CEO and I've come into a business and I'm looking at, 
you know, things with really fresh eyes. I can see great things are happening. But I can also see there's some ineffective practices that are going on and procedures and policies and all the above. Um, but, but what I can see is silos in mm-hmm. the business as well, right? There's different mm-hmm. departments working differently and, I, and I'm looking at my leadership team and I'm, I'm thinking about the direction of where we're going and, you know, it's not quite the direction mm-hmm. I think that the shareholder needs to get the return that they want to you – know, all the above, right? Everything that would go through a, a yeah. CEO's yeah. mind – um, you know, I need more productivity, I need more growth, I need all the above. But this organization's so big. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> where, like, where do where, I bloody start? Where do I start? It always comes yeah. back to this question. I think um and, and it does it come back to the, the answer that like what you said before is well, what is it that we actually want? Or like is it always about vision and purpose? What 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 is your thoughts in this space? Yeah. So new CEO wants to change or wants to shift culture to where it needs yeah. to be, yeah. Um, so what they need to do is do an organisational restructure. Mm-hmm. And just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, You're like, like Shit. what? Yeah. That's a bit drastic. <laughs> what? Yeah. No. But that's, that's what happens. That's generally what they do though. Like yeah. that's why I'm going to put my bit, stamp on yeah. it. I've had my 100 days. I'm that's gonna exactly put my stamp right. On that's it. right. Yeah. So I'm being a bit facetious there because yeah. sometimes an organisational <laughs> shift is, <laughs> is actually required. Yeah. I'm going to spat my water out. <laughs> yeah, I think the first thing that, okay, so CEO, new CEO, got your 100 days because this seems to be the new flavour of the month yep. for the last, you know, five or six years. Yeah. Um, we've got my 100 days. I need to present to the board what I'm going to be doing. Yeah. So I would be very much looking at what kind of people and capabilities do we need in this business? Mm-hmm. What do we actually want to deliver? What's our positioning in the marketplace? So all of those, you know, important business things. Yeah. And looking at all of those important business things, what do we want our customer to say about us? What do we want, you know, to deliver? What growth targets we want to meet? All of those things that are important, right? That strategic kind of vision. And then from that strategic vision going, okay, what kind of culture do I actually need then to deliver on that? What Mm. would be right for this? So if I'm looking at it and saying, um, all right, well, I want much more emphasis on growth, Yeah. right? So that's that's what we're going to be focusing on over the next five years is like quick, fast, dynamic growth. Yep. Probably not an organized big, you know, um, <laughs> big slow organization yeah. that the CEO's joined. Yeah. Let's pretend they've, they've joined a really dynamic organization. So that's what I'm aiming for. Then I need to make sure that I've got all my systems, processes and practices are, are able to cope with that Mm -hmm. so we can make quick decisions. So I don't have um, blockers in place from the front line delivering new things for my customer, Mm. right? Um, Many organizations don't allow their frontline staff to make decisions. But if I want to grow, I want to have rapid growth, I actually need to um, delegate decision-making. Yeah. You because otherwise to. you end up with bottlenecks yeah. and it slows everything down, right? Yep. So growth, quick, dynamic. So therefore I need to have a high-performing frontline staff. Mm-hmm. I need to have their capabilities and their skills. I also need to build trust, yeah. right? So our leadership, our people management needs to be really um, uh, focused on accountability, mm-hmm. not uh, dogmatic management, yeah. right? So accountability is going to be big. So if I'm driving that kind of... Cult, like performance and I need to have that kind of culture, yep. 
that culture is very different from an organization which is, all right, so I want it to be much more community focused. Mm -hmm. I really want us to be really focused on our community. Let's say they're a not-for-profit organization, really focused on service and delivery. Or safety culture or or some receipt, all that type of stuff. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. So whatever it might be then represents differently at a, at a frontline level, mm. you know. So this is where I say you have to have the vision, right, so you have to really be able to see five, ten years in the future, but then you have to figure out how that translates to today's activity. Yeah. And if today's activity doesn't suit that five years, then we need to go, okay, what do I need to do differently to get to that five years? Yeah. And it might be a capability shift. It might be that I actually need different people in place yeah i was going to ask you on that like we we joke about the restructure but let's say the ceo previously was underperforming yeah and had the structure in place that wasn't that worked for his underperformance you know and and then you've hired now this amazing um visionary superstar ceo that's turned organizations around in the past yeah has this particular structure in place yeah that person or the new CEO is going to look at the leadership team and say, yeah. well, you're, you're not at the level that I need you to be at from where – so you Absolutely. inherit this leadership. Team. Yeah. So do, do you – so the, the restructure is actually a real thing. It, it absolutely yeah. could be, yeah. yeah, yeah, totally. And that, I never take that off the table yeah. but what my suggestion is is don't do that first and then try and fit your organisation into a structure. Yeah, okay. You build your structure to suit the kind of organisation yeah, that you fair, want. Okay. Yeah, So you always look at operating models first. Yes. That's the way it the works, part, right? Yeah. So you look at culture first. Yep. You look at outcomes first. Yep. So what are we trying to achieve here? And then we build our structure that's going to help us achieve Makes that. Yep. A lot of the time we do that a bit ass about um, yeah. because it's easier. It's yeah. much easier to move around boxes on an organizational chart than it is to actually go, what do we want from our organization mm. in the next five to ten years? Yeah. And what are the barriers that are holding us to where we are right now? Because if there wasn't any barriers, they'd already be there. Yeah. Right? Yeah. This is the thing. So you go, here's my vision. That's the direction I'm going to go. Why aren't I there yet? Mm. Why aren't I there? You know, and this is where I get to the point where it's like this: these are really pragmatic conversations you have. There's no emotional stuff in this. Yeah. It's really pragmatic. It's that's where I want to be. I can't get there right now because there are these seven barriers in the, pla- in the way. So being taking a really pragmatic approach, I need to move those seven barriers out of the way. Mm. And there are different ways of being able to do that. It's like shift the barrier, build a bridge over the barrier, yeah. <laughs> you know, there's like put a hole through the barrier, whatever it is. You know, there's many, many different ways of tackling that barrier. Mm. And the barrier might be capability. It might be uh, relationship. It might be structure. It might be decision-making process. Yeah. It might. It, there's so many different elements because, you know, the way – um, I look at an organization, it's a living system. Yeah. So you press one thing and something else moves over the other side, right? Agonist, That's, antagonist type thing. Yeah, right? yeah absolutely. So CEO, like, you know, and they, you would hope that they would have the experience, they would understand likely where they would go, but we mm. often see that there is a few gaps. Yeah. But one thing that I don't believe that they do take, and you've talked about frontline, um, well, I'm, and I'm speaking generically here, is what I've seen as a, as a 
as a case study across multiple organisations, mm. is the frontline person uh, is com- commonly forgotten about in some of these decisions because it's very much about, well, I need to get my executive team right, I need mm. to get my um, I need to get my systems and processes in place so that the frontline workers can do the work that they need to do, right? Yeah. And there's sort of the, there was the afterthought. It's never thought about. Mm. If I am a frontline worker and I'm listening to this podcast right mm. now and I'm thinking, shit, this culture's not <laughs> where it needs to be. Yeah. Um, and my leadership's not where it, but I am so attached to mm. what we're doing. Like I, it's community focused or it's a non-for-profit yeah. or even if it's a government organisation that is doing some great stuff for the, for the community, mm. what can I do to manage up um, mm. and improve culture from my level four, level five position um, because I think like this works in two ways, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. It's not just this directive from the top down. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I, I think the um, the greatest successes I've had over the last 20 years of shifting cultures has come from a ground swell up. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, yeah. And because it's it's about setting different level of expectations. Mm. So if I'm um, if I'm a frontline worker and I'm seeing what the customer needs, yeah. right? I see what the customer needs, and I know that I can't deliver for that customer because of X, Y, and Z. My job and how I can help improve the culture is identifying X, Y, and Z. And either reporting it to the people that need to fix it, right? So that's one way, report to the people that need to fix it and or get involved in the fix yeah. as well. So I can actually ask to be involved in these fixes. Yeah. Uh, most organisations end up doing, you know, like working groups and all this sort of yeah. stuff. Put your hand up to be on these working groups. Mm. Shows Even, initiative, doesn't it? It shows initi- yeah. that initiative, absolutely. So if you're wanting to help the culture of your organization you need to be proactive about that yeah. it's not it doesn't help the organization's culture to sit and bitch whinge about the mm. organization's culture doesn't help anyone doesn't help anyone Nor doesn't yourself. help you yeah. doesn't help your customer that language doesn't. The, the internal language it does yeah. that's exactly right and and look this reality check is if you are not in an authority position then you have to lead through influence and yeah. not everybody has that ability and skill yeah, to do that right. um, but if you do have the desire to do it then try you know ask a few more questions ask your leaders how you can get involved in doing more ask your team leader or your your senior manager you know if if um if we were going to work on this culture together what were what would be the things that you would want me to be doing differently you know to ask those questions Uh, but what people can do is they can actually start you know say um uh, let's say the culture is one where there is silos mm-hmm. across the business and and that impacts you as a frontline worker because you're like, well, if, you know, if we and um, assets spoke better together, then we'd, we'd, we'd get better outcomes. Yeah. Go and speak to assets. Yeah. Like it doesn't have to be leader to leader. I think this is what ends up happening with um, with frontline workers. They wait for their leaders to speak it's together. It's that directive. Isn't yeah, it? yeah, yeah. Whereas where when I've seen it work really, really well is when um, the frontline workers, they just go and make relationships with the others. So I worked for an organisation uh, a number, a number of years ago in, in local government and one of the things that I used to notice was – um, there was a lot of um, silos in the senior 
leadership and they're like, oh, we can't work together, yeah. we're not collaborating and blah, blah, yeah. blah. And then I'd go and speak to the frontline workers, like the the carpenters and the, the people, the civil workers and whatnot. And I'd go, you know, what are the barriers? And they're like, oh, these bloody people don't talk to each other. And, I, and I'd go, well, what do you do to fix that? And they're like, oh, well, we're mates with the assets guys. So we all go out to beers on a Friday night mm. and we just chat about things that need to get done. And then we go and we figure this stuff out and they go and talk to their boss and we go and talk to our boss and we just get it done. Mm. And I'm like, look at that for a workaround yeah. one. Yeah, it works. <laughs> you know? Beer solves everything. Well, I was going to say, it's that, it's that nice uh, pub environment <laughs> yeah. kind of uh, approach in, yeah. in uh, Australia yeah. as well. But, you know, that was one way that they went, okay, well, we need to be able to deliver for our customer yeah. and things aren't getting done because it looks like the two people at the top are just, they're not talking to each other. They're using too many processes or getting in the way or whatever. But actually if we just chat to each other and we help each other out, then we actually get things done. It's amazing done. what communication does, This right? is the thing. Yeah. It's like just go talk to these people. Take well, them out for a coffee or a beer or whatever. Yeah, you know? I, and I, I want to add to that point. Like like I, I, I grew up and came through the ranks. Like I started off my yeah. career in a forklift, right? So yeah. I, I've definitely worked my way up the, yep. the ranks. And I, one thing that I think always worked for me was when trying to manage up was I just tried to understand the strategy and vision of the business mm. and then did everything that matched that. And mm-hmm. so – I kind of and then and so then no one ever really argued with me about no. what I was doing. It's like, well, hang on, isn't this the strategy? I'm working towards that. And then yeah. everyone kind of went You're like, oh yeah. crap. <laughs> yeah. Can't yeah. Argue with that. So you can actually use that. <laughs> yeah. When you talk about influence and people not having yeah. the typical type of influence, you can create influence for yourself. Yeah. If you're doing to what if you're doing what the management team and strategy yes. and the board and everyone wants you to do, like that's totally. how you create influence. You don't totally. create influence by telling people, no, you gotta do this and you gotta do that. Oh. It's Influence is about connecting yourself to the vision and doing everything in your power to make sure that the company hits that vision, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, a a lesson for the leaders listening to this as well is that go and speak to your frontline staff and Mm. ask them questions. Because i got to say, like some of the best ideas that I've experienced have come from frontline workers, right? Because they see it, of course. And they give a damn as well because they're the ones that are right in front of the customer. Mm. So they give a damn. Yeah. Go and see them, you know, and I think about um, uh, what frustrates me, nothing, oh, my God, probably nothing frustrates me more in organisations than undermining and undervaluing your frontline staff Mm. um, and making assumptions about who they are or what they can do and what they can't do. Because I think about like my family background is all blue collar, all blue collar. Um, Dad's a mechanic, my brother's a mechanic, you know, my partner's, well, he's a music educator, but he's also been um, done, you know, um, blue collar work and Uh all the rest of it, forklift Uh stuff. Three of the smartest people I know. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I go to them all the time for advice. I agree. Like, at, yeah. and I'm working at this senior executive level and I yeah. go to them for advice yeah. all the time yeah. because of the smartest people I know. Yeah. So it's but like, like, and the smarts are typically around the simplicity, right? Because we can obviously overcomplicate yeah. them. It's so usually relationships, go, well, yeah. relationship smarts, yeah. right? They've got relationship yeah, smarts. Street smarts. Street smarts. Yeah. That's yeah. it. They've got the, this is what the customer needs yeah. smarts. The system smarts yeah. as well. Yeah. Like it's like this system doesn't work. It's just it's ridiculous. Yeah. So why did they put that in place? They, you know, upper yeah. level, yeah. they put the system in place. doesn't make any doesn't make sense. make my job harder. That's right. Mm. I remember talking with I think it was Pete that was saying um, he 
he um, was working in this, I won't mention the company name, but he was working in this organisation that do, you know, warehousing and stuff. And they had to do this scanning. And he said, so he'd walk in and put the put his stuff away in the, the lunchroom, check in, and then have to walk all the way past everything that he was going to scan to the other side of the warehouse to pick up the scanning item yeah. to come all the way back. He's like... It's like 10 minutes wasted yeah. time. Why isn't the scanning thing right next yeah. to the clock-in thing? It's like stupid, that right? Yeah. right? <laughs> so for clarity, Pete's your partner. Pete's right? my partner, yeah. yes, yes. So just that kind yeah. of stuff. It's like Agreed. just simple process improvements, efficiency gains. If you want to save money in your business, go and speak to your frontline workers mm. about how you can save money in your business. I agree. I want to ask one last question before we start to round up the podcast. So, and it was about – so we've talked about the CEO, we've talked about the frontline workers mm. – but we're, not, we're, we're discounting that we are discounting the executive and senior management team. Mm. Uh, well, we have discounted in this conversation so far. New CEO comes in, mm-hmm. right? Um, or even the CEO in place isn't uh, isn't providing clarity, mm. isn't providing the accountability that, that we need. What can we do as a chief people officer or as a COO or a CFO or mm. you know all the other C-suite um, names that come to mind? What can we do in that, in our role Mm -hmm. to manage up and help Mm -hmm. our CEO vision? Especially like from a cultural point of view, it's definitely definitely led or in the front of the mind of this chief people officer, right, Mm. or the head of people and culture or head of HR, whatever that role is. It's definitely front of mind for them. How do they get their CEO to see what they see given that they are a different lens? Yeah. Um, So... I think interestingly what I find is uh, the expectation is is that culture sits with people and culture because mm. they, they put it in the name, right? right? Yeah. Unfortunately, I think what ends up happening with this kind of conversation is it becomes very narrow mm. instead of broad. Whereas when I see culture sitting with, say, a COO, like a chief operations officer, yep they tend to have more ability to uh, have broader conversations around culture. Mm. So my suggestion is to, if, if it's in the HR person's mindset, they need to get really good at speaking business speak, yeah, not people speak. Yeah. So come at it from a business point of view mm. because my firm belief is culture is not just about people. Culture is about the DNA of the business, oh, how, we, how we function as, yeah. a, as a, a successful, efficient business. And one of the outcomes of that is then the experience that people have at work. Yeah, Right? Correct. So that's the that's the. Well, I mean you talk about 16 signatures to get something over mm, the line exactly is right. what people then complain about. Totally. Is, which adds and to the negative effect of the culture, right? That's like exactly yeah. right. And then when, you know, people feel like they're – not able to produce, you know, or provide their um, uh, a valued contribution to the business, they get frustrated and bored mm. and, you know, what happens when people are frustrated and bored, they have arguments with others and then you end up with this like weird stuff that goes on yeah. and it's like I don't like them and I don't like them and <laughs> we have personality conflicts yeah. and all this sort of business, you know, happens. But that's always as a result of something else. Mm. So um, whoever is talking culture right now and they want to go and speak to their CEO, 
Speak to the CEO in the language that they understand. Yeah. Don't talk come. about the seven times of return. That's exactly <laughs> yeah, right. Like it, if that's important to is. them, right? So well, it would be. I mean, the CEO's well, result could, is it the return could on the share. Be. Well, it, it, it could be. It, yes, it could yeah, be. Yeah, it could be right. because everybody's different, right, yeah, and every CEO right. is different. So one of the questions I always ask to people is what's important to your CEO? Mm. So, um, well, that's how you work in, in any sort of influence is totally. understand from the other what's person's perspective. What's important to them, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I, mean, I was talking with somebody uh, not long ago and I said that what's important to your CEO, uh, what's, you know, what's the thing that they say is keeping them up at night yeah. and it was about um, uh, the community. So mm. the the yeah. impact they're having on the community that was their biggest thing. Uh, so coming at that person with numbers and crunching wouldn't work. No. Coming at them with the impact that this has on the community and how you could actually have a better and more positive impact on the community by doing X, Y, and Z. That's gonna that's gonna speak their yeah, language, right? So understand their language. If they are a numbers crunching kind of person. Go in with the numbers. Yeah. Like lead with the numbers and then flow it from somewhere else. These are basic influencing skills, right? So it's really speak the language of the other person. Um, But I think that for me is one of those critical skills um, and capabilities that isn't necessarily as common in organisations as I would hope it would be. Yeah. Even in the roles that you would think have those sort of like – cultural influencing kind of skills, they're not all that common in yeah, organisations. I, I 100% agree. Now I want to finish off with one last question and it's the, I guess it, it, it's probably a question around um, around that, that chief people officer or COO. It is definitely, I mean look, it, it definitely can come from the point of view of anyone within an organisation uh, but particularly about trying to get a business case over the line or get some work over the line mm. or trying to put it forward in a way of influence and, and, and get this piece of work which you know could be really valuable. Mm-hmm. And so there's this common thread that I'm head of people and culture or I'm head of um, operations or whatever it might be. Therefore, I should have all the answers and <laughs> I should I should, um, yeah. I should definitely be the person that is coming up with this program yeah. or this um, or delivering on the actions or holding people accountable and all mm. the above. But I'm so busy that I just don't have the time and headspace to put that yeah. into it. Yeah. So I pick yeah, up the real. phone and I call Synergy IQ, right? I call mm. a consultancy. Synergy, let's use us as an example, Synergy yeah. IQ and Michelle Holland answers or Daniel Franco answers on the other end and says, and, and, and we're on the phone with this person and we go, look, I know what needs to be done. Mm-hmm. I know that this culture needs a little bit of a revamp and a little bit of an upgrade and, mm-hmm. and rethinking process and we've got slight engagement issues. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got a great team but I don't have the capacity mm-hmm. or I don't have the cap- – or I may not have the capability mm-hmm. to deliver on these outcomes. Yeah. What can they expect from working with someone like yourself who's mm-hmm. worked globally and done mm-hmm. all these amazing things and, mm-hmm. and you know, you've written your books? What, what, what does it look like when you walk into a room – and you sit down with the leadership team mm. and you go, here we go, we're, we're going to start this process. What, what is the expectation? Because it's, it's, it's an unknown territory mm. to, to many. Yeah. To, and, it's all, and it can be a little bit of an ego hit sometimes oh, yeah. like, because I, I want to. I feel to, like I should know I everything. I feel like I should know yeah, it absolutely. and I feel like I should be able to do it and, yeah. I, and I put the pressure on myself and, um, and yeah. there is help out there. Uh, yes. And, and I think that's really critical because yeah. often um, we see it is that, 
culture and engagement gets pushed to the side because there is this element of um, I feel like this is something that we should do as an internal person mm. within this business mm. um, and don't realise that there is outside help who are expertise in helping them do their role yeah. and, and getting the outcomes that they desire because isn't about outcomes, right? Yes. Yes. I always find it quite interesting because um, if you think about uh, getting any other kind of expertise, so if I'm in a business and my pipes burst, I'm not going to go, oh, man, I should do this because it's my business and yeah. I should just go and fix the pipes. Yeah. You know, no, you call a plumber, yeah, right? True. If you are… Marketing um, is another example, yeah, right? Yeah, absolutely, mm-hmm. everything. Like absolutely. Branding agent, PR agent. Totally, bit, yeah. totally. Accountants, yeah, you yeah. know, you don't think twice about going, oh, we need to audit our business. Oh, it's my business and, you know, I've done an MBA so I should be able to do the audit. Mm-hmm. No, you get an auditor in to yeah. do the audit. You get the expert in to do it. Um, And this, I think, comes back to that recognition of capability and capacity and sometimes it's capability and capacity that you don't have um, to actually do what you want to do. Mm. So sometimes we do need to call in experts for that and and even the expertise to help us get better at what we want. So if it's like, okay, I'm a people and culture director, culture's in my title, um, Sometimes there can be shame around yeah. not understanding that stuff as well. And it's like, oh, well, the CEO relies on me, but I don't really know what to do. So we've kind of put in a few leadership programs and we're doing yeah. some stuff that we think is is cultural, mm-hmm. um, but they don't have that depth of understanding of the mechanisms that mm. sit around what culture is and that the full holistic look at it, there can be some shame yeah. around those things. Oh, that, and that's yeah. where that ego gets involved and 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 it is hard. So I think any level of the organization, the biggest barrier to change is going to be your ego. Yeah. <laughs> that's always going to be it. Yeah. So th- that's part of the personal work to yep. do that. Um, as far as when you call Synergy IQ, let's say, so I can only talk from our perspective on how we work, is we um, we focus on co-creation. Mm. So we're not coming in and saying we know everything about everything and get out of the way and we'll fix your culture for you. It's actually we're experts in how culture functions in yeah. businesses, how businesses function in an effective or not effective way. We're experts in how to navigate through that complexity. Mm. We're experts in how you enable a change within your business. I'm not an expert in accounting firms. I'm not an expert in engineering. I'm not an expert in asset management. I'm not an expert in space design or Mm. whatever your business happens to be. You're that expert. Mm. So therefore it is your responsibility to shift your culture and when you've got a specialist that can help guide you on what to do, then that actually becomes doable. Yeah. Rather than not. And less doable. overwhelming, right? Less overwhelming, mm. that's right, because you can break it down step yeah. by step. And although culture is, um, uh, it's an adaptive, complex kind of mm. system, right? So there's no start here and end here approach to culture transformation. Yeah. It's, it's not, that's what we call it, an evolution, right? It's yeah. an evolution. Um, but what we do is we've been able to break it down into stages. Mm. So we know that the first stage is understanding where to, like where are we going? Mm. So plot it out. Where are we plotting the, the map to? Yeah. Um, and that really becomes down to 
your expert asking a lot of uh, uh, courageous and, and curious inquiry questions yeah. and getting real deep with some And it stuff. can be uncomfortable, yeah? It can be very uncomfortable, mm. yes, because sometimes you just don't know. Yeah. You don't know what you don't know mm. and – um, and we will we will challenge as well. You know, it's like, why do you want to do this? Oh, because we think we should. No, okay, let's go deeper. Why do we? Why do you want to do that? Mm. Because blah. All right, why do? Why is that important? Because of. So we always do a lot of digging, digging, digging underneath yeah. to really get to the nuts and bolts of why are we actually doing this? Because without the why, you don't get the will. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> and you got to have a lot of will in culture shift, right? Yeah. So that's our first step always. So where are we now? Our second step that we look at is, sorry, where are we going is our first step. The next step is where are we now? Mm -hmm. So I always use the analogy of if I'm going to, if I want to get in the car and travel somewhere, it's useful to know where I want to go. Because if I want to go to Sydney, then I'll be able to go, okay, there's the map to get to Sydney. But to be able to do that, I need to know where I'm starting from too because yeah, Google needs a starting point and yep. a destination, yep. right? Culture is exactly the same. Yeah. We need a starting point and, and a destination. So destination we always start with first because of where are we going, then where are we right now? Yeah. Because where are we right now helps us go, what strengths can we leverage? What mm-hmm. are the things we're really great at right now that we want to keep embedded within our culture? Yep. Um, and then what are the things that we would like to uh, morph in our culture and then what are the things we want to remove from our culture Mm -hmm. you know so we can do it in that way so it's not just this is where it's like culture change I feel uncomfortable about that terminology because you're not going from one thing to the other you're actually going keep that change that a little bit morph this one and then get rid of that (laughs) you know so there's well I think you (laughs) use the word complexity and like that is one thing that you know the external person and Synergy IQ in particular Mm. offer is that we are experts in complexity. We are experts in thinking about things differently. I was using a scenario the other day that someone said to me, I said to them like think about a hot dog, right? I know this is such a silly example but the way my brain works, I always go to food. So think about a hot dog (laughs) and we got this hot dog and we got this beautiful bun and then we got this, you know, the the actual sausage in the middle then we got the onions on top and then we got this nice layer of mustard on on top again. And and so when we look at this hot dog, we don't just look at those four items of the bun and the sausage and the onions and the the mustard. We look at the mustard and go, well, what does it take? To create the mustard, we mm. need a mustard seed. We got to order that from India. We take, we got the, mm. we got the turmeric that also comes from India. Like we got to think about yes. the, the breaking down of every little bit. So we pull it apart and then pull it all back together again. And we help you understand foundationally and fundamentally mm. where what the root cause is. I think like it's something I've seen you do in a lot of your yeah. businesses. Yeah. Um, and uh, sorry, in a lot of the work that you 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 work with in businesses. So um, it's yeah. that real complexity and thinking thinking differently about the the yeah. actual scenario. I think that I mean that's a very that's a cool metaphor. You're the metaphor king, I tell you. <laughs> <laughs> it's about food. I can put anything together with food. You Comes know. up with some good metaphors. <laughs> well, that's quite a good one because I think the other thing I would say then is, so if your business is that hot dog yeah. and you like that mustard, 
you don't have to worry about the seeds coming from India. Yeah. Because we'll we'll figure that out. Yeah, correct. You know, it's like, yeah, okay, those seeds are there and they need to come from mm. India. Yeah. Like we'll help you figure that out. You yeah. don't need to know all that mm. stuff. Um, but if you don't like mustard and you want sauce instead, yeah. then we can go, okay, that's cool. We can get rid of the mustard and put correct. tomato sauce on there yeah. or ketchup as I would say, being yeah. in North America. I'm getting hungry. <laughs> it is lunchtime. <laughs> it's lunchtime. It's time for hot dogs. I think just finishing off where we would go. So we want the starting point. Yep. Right, we want the um, the destination, mm-hmm. but we also want to then have a roadmap to get there. Yeah. So this is where we would come in and go. Where are we going? Where are we right now? What's the roadmap to get to where we want to go? Yeah. And then what are the initiatives that sit alongside yeah. of that and help you prioritize those initiatives? Yeah. Because the tendency and then hold is, accountable to those that's right. And then hold accountable to those initiatives because the tendency is, is that we want to do everything because yeah, we go, oh my god, look at all those gaps, and we want to change this and we want to change that and blah 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 blah. It's overwhelming. It's overwhelming. Yeah. So we help break that down into doable pieces, like actionable pieces, yeah. and. And, and look, just rea- great reality check again. That's not going to happen in a one-day or two-day workshop. No. That is an investment of time, 100%. energy, and effort yep. over a period of time. So I just want to be really clear about that because, you know, sometimes we'll have people go, can you just come in and run a culture workshop for us? And we're like, yeah, we can, but what are you trying to achieve with that? Yeah. It's like, is yep. it just a bit of a like start the conversation? Cool, we can do yep. that, totally can do that. But that won't do anything to shift your culture. Nothing. No, it won't. It, it might start a conversation, but if you do nothing else, you might don't do that. Like that would be my other suggestion with a CEO or a leader. If you're not going to invest the time, energy, and effort over probably the next two to three years minimum mm. in your culture, and that doesn't mean that you're investing that with a consultant. You might be investing six to 12 months with a you know, a specialist yep. and then the rest of the time is your energy, effort, yeah, yeah. you know, et cetera. But if you're not willing to put that energy and effort into it, then you'll you'll just, just keep the results you've got now. Yeah, that's right. It, you that's, can never shift the, the dial. Yeah, it is what it is. Excellent. Look, thank you so much for your time uh, today, Michelle, thank and you. taking the time out of your uh, very, very busy yeah, schedule it's to all good. I love come it. and talk it's to nice us and here fun. at the Creating Synergy podcast. I know that you're a big, uh, big lover of this I show. I am. I'm a big fan. You've been on it a few times, so you have to be. Yeah. Um, the, uh, what I quite like the I? host as well. <laughs> the podcast manager is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> G- Thanks, Gabrielle. Yeah. Gabs is the reason, real reason why you're here. Um, <laughs> I, I you're very active on social media, LinkedIn, yeah. and all the above. So Michelle T, Michelle Holland, uh, Michelle uh, Holland on, uh, on LinkedIn. LinkedIn. Yeah, yeah. Yep. But you also do a lot of speaking gigs in that I do, as well. Yeah. So um, you can access my speakers page from syngiq.com.au or my website, which is michelletholland.com. Beautiful. So my speakers stuff is on there. My Excellent. books are on there. Everything. And so you do like own. keynotes and. Yep. Do keynotes. Um, do conferences, do, you know, lunch and learns. And in particular like culture, change, complexity. Most of the time it's about culture. Most of the time it's either culture and or leadership. Yeah. So I kind of blend. The you do a lot together. on the workforce stuff. And I do heaps yeah. on workforce Future well. of work. Yeah, work, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's so pretty you. much what everyone, somebody wants to talk, yeah. talk all about. The, I'm like, using all the buzzwords. But yeah. you, you, resistance yeah. to change, yes. all the above. Yeah, if you haven't noticed, I can talk pretty much, you know, <laughs> underwater, underwater with a mouthful of marbles. So. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. If you need a speaker, I can be that. So check Michelle out at Michelle 
Holland on LinkedIn. You'll, yeah. You just follow her. She's very, very active. Yeah, and please do connect because I, I do connect with um, probably 95% of the people that connect with me. I'm not somebody that goes, oh, no, you don't live in South Australia, so I'm yeah. not connecting or whatever. Yeah. Um, I connect with most people. It's really only, you know, the the quite blatantly obvious uh, yeah. spammers Spam, spam accounts, <laughs> that I don't yeah. connect with. I'm a business growth expert. Yeah, really yeah, yeah no, that's I, right. I can help you build yeah, your – I'm yeah. like, oh, God, here we go. I get them every day. Yes. yes very good. Absolutely. Thank you very much um, and we'll catch you next time. All right. Thank you very much. Cheers. Bye-bye. Good one. Thanks for listening to the podcast all. You can check out the show notes if there was anything of interest to you and find out more about us at synergyiq.com.au. I am going to ask though, if you did like the podcast, it would absolutely mean the world to me if you could subscribe, rate and review. And if you didn't like it, that's all right too. There's no need to do anything. Take care guys, all the best.